It's good to be together today. Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mothers uh, who are watching with us today. We celebrate you, uh, particularly this season. We know that more than times in past, it's tough being a parent uh, during this unique season. And so we honor you. We're grateful for who you are and the work that you're doing. Thank you. Noel gave a great synopsis of Pentecost. I will pick that up by reading a scripture, then telling you why this is important today, and then we'll take a moment and pray and get into the text. In Acts 2, chapter 17, this is what we read. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Pour out my spirit on all people. Today, we need not the idea of the Holy Spirit, not the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, not the philosophy of the Holy Spirit, not an intellectual infusion about the meaning of Pentecost. Today, more than ever, I believe, we need to understand and embrace and experience the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we will see today not only why that's important, but how we get there. But it's important today because, to be honest, as, as, as this crisis goes on and as social isolation goes on and as economic hardship goes on, civility is thinning out in our culture. There are still marvelous moments of courage. We see them across the country. But there's also increasing impatience. There are protests. And some have gotten violent, like at the Costco in New York, where there was a shooting, the Sam's Club in Georgia, where there was shooting, just uh, yet earlier this week, a shooting at McDonald's in Dallas because the workers asked people who had come into the store to leave the store. They said it was takeout only, and, and there was a shooting. These are hard times. People are stocking up, and they're afraid, and they're angry. And, and this systemic loneliness... And kind of this every person for themselves mentality that seems to be surfacing in some places is revealing, in my opinion, a national idol of individualism. And it's on full display. And when individualism reigns, people without community suffer first. And we're seeing this now. And then, as if we needed more reminders of our brokenness, we discover this week that back in February, Ahmed Aubrey, 25-year-old black man, was jogging. Uh, and he was chased down by a father and son who then got an altercation with him. He was shot. And I just want to stop here and just say, uh, this is yet another revelation, not only the darkness of the human heart, it's a revelation that systemic racism is alive and well in America, and it's not just their sin and their problem, it's our sin, it's our problem. If we're American, this is an issue for us. And it does seem to be our national besetting sin. And what I mean by that is it's something that we, we have to deal with. And if we don't fully deal with it, fully own it, fully confess it, we'll never be freed from its ugly effects, not nationally. So this is a thing. So here we are today dealing with loneliness and fear and violence and racism. And by the way, happy Mother's Day. And I would say this, no text speaks to all of that better than Acts 2, verses 1 through 21, as we'll see. We desperately need a uniting force and an empowering force in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the text. Father, I want to thank you so much that we can gather wherever we have gathered today to listen for your voice. We trust, pray, ask 
that your Holy Spirit indeed would be our teacher as we ask that almost every week. But our desire today, Father, is not to encounter knowledge. We acknowledge that without your power, we remain part of the problem. And our desire, Father, is to shine as light in the midst of darkness, to be people of hope in the midst of despair. So would your Holy Spirit fill us, Father? May we experience you today in new ways. We pray in the name of Christ, who is our hope. Amen. Now, I'd like to just begin by showing you two pictures of a large city in India. If you look at the first one up here, I don't know if we're going to look at it. I think we will. If you look at the first one, uh, can we look at that picture? Yeah, perhaps. We'll see it. It's a picture. <laughs> there it is. You kind of see some smog, basically, we call it. And then, as we know, this... this uh, uh, pandemic kind of shut everything down. People stopped working, people stopped driving, and here's the next picture. Same exact place, two months later. So just with that imagery in your mind, I'm gonna remind you that the world in which we live is filled with God's spirit. Scriptures teach this, but the, the world is clouded over, in a sense, with sin. And so the sin that is in our world prevents us from seeing with clarity the grace and joy and beauty that is God and that is in God's world. Instead, the smog of racism and greed and lust and raw materialism and fear, all of this gets clouded over the beauty of holiness and the beauty of who God is. And, and it's clouded in the culture and all the violence and conspiracy theories and racism and fear that we see. And it's clouded in our own human hearts as well. The spirit can be there and real and we don't see it. So let's just acknowledge that beneath the smog of sin, the beauty of the whole earth is always there. Because the sustaining and regenerating power of the God of life is, according to the book of Colossians, holding all of creation together. God creates and sustains creation. God gives life to our mortal bodies through the Spirit. The Spirit is the uniting power in the world, breaking down racial divides, tribalism, sexism, classism, destroying xenophobia. As we're given eyes to see that, as John Perkins says, we are all of one blood. This runs profoundly throughout the New Testament in Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, ultimately in Revelation as well at the end of the story. The Spirit of God is above us, around us, beneath us, within us, right now, right here today. But here's the thing, as I've already said, we often don't see it. And if we don't see it, we don't believe it. And if we don't believe it then we're tempted at the least to build our lives on false narratives. For example, many of us build our lives on the false narrative that we're on our own. Here we are on our own instead of a vast family of hum uh, humanity being one, living in interdependency with one another. We see ourselves often in splinter groups, black, white, male, female, landlord, renter, liberal, conservative, communist, capitalist, logger, environmentalist, monogamous, polyamorous, addict, non-addict, elderly, young. The list goes on and on. And if the we're on our own narrative prevails, then it's every person for themselves. And whether you have access to health care or a social safety net of relationships or more than two weeks worth of pay is not my problem. I built my own life now you go do it. Good luck. Like you're on your own, just like I'm on my own. 
And let me just say to you that from the perspective of God and what God had in mind for humanity, that narrative is to put it politely, rubbish. (laughs) It comes from what the Bible calls the spirit of Cain. And if you remember the story in uh, Genesis uh, chapter four, I believe it is, Adam and Eve, they have a son, Cain. Cain kills Abel. And then God approaches Cain and says, where is your brother? And then one of the most famous lines in the Bible, if you know it, what does Cain say? He says, very wryly, almost sarcastically, to God. He says, am I my brother's keeper? And what he's saying there is kind of this rhetorical question. Am I my brother's keeper? No. It's not my problem. I don't take care of my brother. My brother, he has to take care of himself. This is individualism as an idol, articulated again in the New Testament as kind of the spirit of Cain. And individualism leads to division and racism and tribalism and xenophobia and Trayvon Martin and Abed Aubrey and camps that we liberated 75 years ago this weekend in Germany. All of that comes from the spirit of individualism and that spirit will never change until we see and experience the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because as I will show you today, the Holy Spirit is the, with a definite article, uniting force in the world. Not an ideology, not a political party, not military might, not any single nation. No, the Holy Spirit is the glue that can bring people together, hold people together, and unite us. And if we see it, believe it, receive the truth of it, and live into the experience of it, our lives will change entirely, and God can use Use us to change the city of Seattle, Puget Sound, and all of us scattered around the world. I mean, it's a great hope, but we need desperately to submit to the filling and uniting power of the Holy Spirit. We move then into Holy Spirit power. So today, very briefly, what I want to show you is two characteristics that are always present when the Holy Spirit is real in our lives. Two things. And we can see that beyond the polluting influences of individualism and materialism and nationalism, there's this beautiful spirit-charged world in which God is writing a story of hope through those who allow themselves to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. So two things we'll see, right? The, the empowering force of the Holy Spirit and the uniting force of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share those two things. But first, as we look at Acts 2, it's important you know the context. So I love the, the, uh, Noel's thing, the, the, the pictures there of uh, people gathered. Because just those pictures kind of revealed the, the vast demographic that was gathered, right? So when you read Acts 2, you see people gathered from every nation. So all kinds of people gathered together in one place. It was basically a conference. Think of it as a conference or think of it as a festival if you're younger, you know, Burning Man or something like that. People are from everywhere coming. Well, what, what festival was this? Well, this was the festival of the first harvest. The Jews called it the Feast of the Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. Uh, and it's mentioned in every one of the first five books of the Bible. It was the celebration of the beginning of the early weeks of harvest. In in Palestine, there were two harvests each year. The early one came during May and June. This is that. And it's called Pentecost. And it's actually mentioned in four books, not five, but whatever. So um, it's a feast of Pentecost. People are gathered. They're they're practicing Judaism. Some uh, Gentiles who've converted to Judaism. 
and some uh, Jewish by blood practicing Judaism, they're all gathered together for this feast. It's one of several feasts. So they gathered to Jerusalem. And then in verses two to three, look what we read. We saw it acted out really brilliantly by Josh and Dan. Suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves and the tongues rested on every one of them. And then they all began, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, the Spirit giving them utterance. So that's kind of basically the story there. Uh, the Spirit comes and the Spirit takes the force here of basically two elements, wind and fire. So wind and fire coming to the earth and then there's these tongues, these languages understood by others and we read that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, um, we here who are gathered in 2020 are told in Ephesians 5 that the, the filling of the Holy Spirit was not like this one-time thing for people at this festival. Oh no, the Apostle Paul says to us today as the scriptures are handed down to us, Ephesians 5, listen, don't, want, don't waste time, but know that the will of God for you begins with this. Ephesians 5, 17. The will of God begins with this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I loved the, the story, the interviews that Jack offered and this, this sense of, oh, it's a gap year. What am I going to do? Many of us are asking in this moment, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when things open up? Where will I go? Will my job be there? What's happening to my evaporating savings? How much income do I have? Uh, if, I, if I go to university, we'll be open next year. What's next? I love that Paul says, the first thing, to, if you want to know God's will, the first thing, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's for all of us, this thing in Acts 2. So, so they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result of this, we, we kind of see two ongoing characteristics. We'll see it through the rest of the book of Acts, these two things. The empowering force of the Holy Spirit and the uniting force of the Holy Spirit. So those are two things I'm going to look at in the moments that I have left, beginning with the empowering force of the Holy Spirit. Remember back in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, uh, Jesus said to the disciples before he departed, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so uh, this is the fulfillment of that promise. Now, power in the Bible is very interesting. Uh, we, when we think of power, we, you know, we often think of uh, like uh, a kind of a destructive force, right? Or like a, like a weightlifter or something like that. I want you to think about power broadly with me for a minute, and then you can see how applicable this is, particularly on Mother's Day. Power in the scripture is this. God is saying to you, look, whatever you need in the moment, I will provide for you. So whatever you need, I will give it to you in that moment. If you need food, I'll give you food. If you need joy, I'll give you joy. If you need wisdom, I'll give you wisdom. If you need direction, I'll give you direction. If you, in this particular moment in Acts uh, chapter two, if you need to speak testimony of my character to people who speak a different language than you, I'm gonna let you speak in another language, like without taking any uh, courses. You know, no Duolingo, no Babel, you'll know it. Boom, that's power. But the power here is, what do you need in this moment to fulfill the calling that I'm giving you? Whatever, the, whatever calling God has given you, God will also empower you to fulfill that calling. 
And, and, and the, the, the fulfillment comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So most of the people attending this festival would have spoken Greek, uh, and, and yet they came from all different lang- uh, nations and so also spoke other languages. And so it says that they heard not in, like Greek in that day was like English today. Like if you're in Germany, you can usually go into a restaurant and somebody speaks English. There's always somebody speaking Greek. But they didn't hear the testimony in Greek. They heard it in their native tongue from people who didn't speak their native tongue. And this was miraculous, right? And this created in the minds of some people some questions. How is it that they're doing this? And then uh, this gave a platform for Peter to speak a sermon that we will see in just a moment. So um, they, were, they were speaking the mighty deeds of God. And as we'll see next week, uh, Peter would stand up and preach powerfully. And the powerful preaching would result in transformed lives and the, uh, the establishment of this kind of new kingdom within a kingdom, the kingdom of God within the Roman Empire that would ultimately, according to Acts 17, uh, 6, quote unquote, turn the world upside down. This power began in Jerusalem with the Holy Spirit. So they display powerful courage. They speak in a language. They're given like supernatural wisdom, wisdom when they need it, words when they need it, a different language when they need it, an ability to preach when they need it. In fact, Peter's preaching is so compelling that when people receive it, some leaders look at Peter and say, how does he do this? He's a fisherman. He'd never been to seminary and he's a better preacher than any of us on staff. Like, what's up with that? It's the power, you see, not his own. So what, listen, whatever you need, courage, wisdom, strength, guidance, food, it's provided through the Holy Spirit. And when, when the Holy Spirit is real in our lives, I'm just telling you, over and over and over again in my own life, I've watched God provide what I needed in a moment because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll share one example. My wife and I uh, have dealt with, because we're a little bit older, we've dealt with aging parents who've then gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, Donna's dad was in decline, living in California. And we were up here. My mom was also living in California. And I'll never forget... uh, Donna had been down to visit her dad, was back up here in Seattle with me. I'm serving here at Bethany. We're living in Seattle. And then just one day, really, in my mind, out of the blue, she said, I got to go see my dad. Well, you just been. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm telling you, now's the time I got to go. She goes down. Her dad uh, had some mental decline, was really ultimately how he lost his life was dementia. So she goes down there and I don't know the number of days, but she's down there and uh, with my mother-in-law, they go to visit him and he who had lost capacity. It's just a beautiful story. They walk in. He hadn't recognized them for a while. And they walk in and, and he'd been, you know, a bit unpredictable Donna comes in with her mom and my father Ed he just Donna so good to see you reunion really 
And then and he recognized his wife. And then within 48 hours, he was gone. <laughs> and I'm like this, how did she know? God didn't tell me, only her. Here's the thing. I'm telling you this. God gives you what you need for this moment. You need a meal? It's there. We, at one point in our ministry in the mountains, we, I mean, we needed um, financial resources. And we, we walked out of the mailbox and a check, was in the ma- a check was in the mail. This is like old days, right? $5,000 from someone who we hadn't spoken with for over 10 years. Who just said, God just laid it on our hearts. We know you need this money, use it. And we need, it's exactly what we need in the moment. Whatever you need, God will give it to you. So don't miss God's story. And, 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 and don't allow yourselves to live out from any power other than the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the power you need. And if I could just give a word to moms here right now, A, not only do we honor you, B, not only do we pray for you, C, not only do we think you're amazing, D, this power is significant, right? And, and, and God will give you moms all you need or you dads when you're home with your kids all we need in this unique moment in time uh, when kids long to be with other kids and can't be. Wow, it's hard. Power of the Holy Spirit, available. So before moving on to the uniting force of the Holy Spirit, I just encourage you, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know what that means, you want to pray with a pastor today. You can do that online. We have online pastors and they're available for you. Please do that. And we'll make resources available in the days ahead as well so that you can walk in the stream of the Holy Spirit's power so that you can know that whatever God is calling you to do, God's power will be there for you. That's the first thing, the empowering force of the Holy Spirit. The second thing is the uniting force of the Holy Spirit. It says here that people were gathered from every nation and this becomes a prototype of this later reality uh, where People are gathered from every nation as a sign that everyone is given access to the reality of Christ's resurrection kingdom as a result of the Spirit's empowerment. We're told uh, in John 16, 13 that the Spirit will instruct us. And the Spirit is instructing us in this moment when you see people gathered from every nation and instructing us in this way. Watch. The Spirit is the, with a definite article, uniting force in the world. A, we see it right here. Uh, the breaking down of dividing walls between nations. Here's every tribe and nation gathered together. Now, if you look ahead to the end of God's story of hope written in the world and you, and you get a glimpse into eternity, Isaiah chapter two, every tribe and nation melting their weapons down into tools of agriculture, joining hands, ascending the mountain of the Lord saying, we now of every tribe, like Watch that, right? Jews and Palestinians, blacks and whites, people from this neighborhood and that room, rich and poor, young and old, from every tribe. We will ascend together the mountain of the Lord. We will learn from the Lord. We will worship the Lord. The Lord will bring justice and all war. Boom, done. That, incredible to me. Like this is the deepest longing of the human heart. Breaking down walls of nations. Breaking down walls of gender, as Abby already alluded to last week. Men and women gathered together in the upper room was new. And now in this text, we read 
that when the Holy Spirit is poured out on all of humanity, Acts 2.17, your sons and daughters will prophesy. And that means your sons and daughters will speak a word directly from God, which means we'll speak a word of authority, which means men in the room will be listening to a woman speaking with the authority of God. This is off the map radical. And I'll just say it, don't resist the Holy Spirit by resisting an authoritative word that a woman has for you ever. Because God has broken that wall. And, you know, I've, I've been in uh, Bible teaching situations where I teach about the empowerment of women in Scripture and I watch men get up and stomp out of class. And I'm just, that's sad to me. People are missing the opportunity to hear from God through our sisters who are gifted. God has broken that wall right here. It says it, men and women prophesying. Then there's the breaking down of the walls of generations. Because we see that young and old are having visions and dreams. And of course, at that time, in terms of age discrimination, the two groups that were most often marginalized, the young and the old to this day. And God is saying they too have a voice and a place at God's table. Men, women, young, old, every nation and every class, right? So what we see here is God creating a community bound together by nothing more than Christ. Galatians 3, there's no longer male, female, slave free. We're all united in Christ. And as we'll see, if God is going to build this united community that is so diverse, that diversity and the uniting within that diversity will always come with heated debate. So as we come into the next few weeks here in this series in Acts, we will see debate among people and the implosion of previously held convictions. It's not enough ever to say to someone different than you, sure, you're welcome to come into my, quote unquote, my church. Just come on in and then just dress like me, think like me, like my music, you know, become like me. That's not what God is doing. God is creating a community and God's heart is that a community would be uh, made up of all these different cultures. And this is why we have what's called MRJR ministry here at Bethany Community Church. Our desire is to break down walls of division. And we're not there yet by a long shot, but we're moving. So we see this, this fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, which is also the fulfillment of the deepest longings of the human heart. We don't want war. We want to be united. That was clear back in the Tower of Babel, a desire to stay together. That, that was Cain's desire to overcome being alone when God sent him out as a wanderer and instead he built a city. That's John Lennon's imagine, right? It's all there. Like we want a world without war. And we're, I, in my opinion, we're perhaps seeing this deep longing more clearly now than ever before <laughs> because of our isolation. We're seeing our need for inter interdependency. We're seeing certain people called essential. We're seeing, we're, we're, we see it now. What Paul says, when one suffers, all suffer. We see it. No, no, we didn't build anything alone. 
We are who we are because people invested in us. And now it's our turn to invest in others. When, when we're strong, we help the weak. When we're rich, we help the poor. When we're poor, we receive. When we're weak, we receive. Have the humility to receive. Have the generosity to give. This is God's story. And that humility and generosity, where does it come from? Oh, you know, the Holy Spirit. So I, I just want to make this uh, word as a conclusion. The invitation here is universal, right? It, it says in the text, verse 21, it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's his spirit. It's like poured out on all the world. It's there. And now, we're universally, everyone invited to receive this good news. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, call on the name of the Lord. What does that mean? It means I admit that I'm powerless to sweep away the fog of sin that's both in my own life and in my culture. I'm powerless to end racism. I'm powerless to end environmental destruction. I'm powerless to crush the idols of individuals and the idols of materialism and the idols of nationalism. I'm powerless to crush fear in my own life, let alone anybody else's life. I'm powerless. So I call out to my creator and I ask God to do for me through Christ what I know I can't do on my own. And when that happens, salvation begins. And when salvation begins, the wind of the Holy Spirit begins to blow away the smog of sin. And the Holy Spirit begins to blow away or burn up the fear and the greed and the hidden addiction and the body shame and the pride and the greed and the materialism and the racism and the individualism and the nationalism. And as the wind blows these things away, what we, what's remaining that is beautiful because it's Christ, it's love and joy and peace and patience and courage and the capacity to bless the world. All of that comes not because we're wise, not because we're self-disciplined, not because we know about the Holy Spirit or preach about the Holy Spirit or talk about the Holy Spirit. It only comes when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. I must experience Jesus or here's the thing, I've got nothing. I uh, joined something this past fall called Wisdom School. I, I think I was like uh, an early adapter because the whole thing was online before it was the only thing available. So... I was taking a, an online class offered down in uh, New Mexico and it was good. But the thing that was most profound for me in wisdom school was one evening before the lecture, this woman got up and she's uh, a good lecturer but not a great singer. And she had someone with a tambourine and someone with a drum. And she said, I'm gonna teach you a little prayer song and we're just going to sing this before the lecture. And the song went like that. I'm going to sing it. And I'm worse than her. So forgive me. But this is how it went. Come Holy Spirit heal me. Come Holy Spirit free me. Come Holy Spirit guide me. Come Holy Spirit fill me. Come Holy Spirit, heal me. Come Holy Spirit, free me. Come Holy Spirit, guide me. Come Holy Spirit, fill me. We sang it for 10 minutes. I'm watching on my iPad. And after two minutes, I'm, I'm just weeping. I'm just, because of 
this feeling in my life in, the, in that moment of emptiness and, and confusion about the future and powerlessness. And that was before any of this. <laughs> I bet I've sang that song now a thousand times since October. Every time I run, every time. Often when I wake up in the middle of the night and thoughts are overwhelming me. Why? Because this is the foundation. Come, Holy Spirit, heal me. Heal me. Because there's racism in my heart and fear in my heart and greed in my heart. Come, Holy Spirit, free me. Because I self-medicate in unhealthy ways just like any of the rest of us do. Come, Holy Spirit, guide me because you alone know the future. And come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Will you pray it with me? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, heal us. Give us the courage to name our own sickness. Come, Holy Spirit, free us. Give us the humility and courage to name the things that control us uh, that are really just the smog of sin. You know, fear, greed, self-loathing, pride. Come, Holy Spirit, guide us. Whoa, yes, guide us. Because we don't have a clue what life will be like three months from now. But you do. So would you guide us and come, Holy Spirit, fill us. Jesus, we need you more than ever, but the beauty of the moment is we know we need you. So fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit and thank you for the adventure that awaits as we follow you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.